Welcome to the Ball and All podcast, Premier League game week 25. As always, you can follow us at BNA Podcast. Use the hashtag BNA Podcast. This week, the theme we're looking at is strikers. Uh, you got myself, Flows. I missed that last week, and I know you guys missed me, but I'm back. Was you not MK. Here? Clearly, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> MK. BNF. And we have a special guest with us this evening, Joe, uh, a fan from all the way from the Toon. Toon Toon, Black and White Army, baby. <laughs> Hold on, what happened to his nickname? Well, Joe, aka The Chameleon. Oh yes, that's my rap name, The Chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as always, when we have a guest on, we like to ask a few questions. Obviously, first question's a bit redundant. Which team you support? Legendary Geordies, all the way. And uh, how long have you been a Geordie fan? Uh, ooh, I probably went to my first match when I was about six or seven. My stepdad was a massive Newcastle fan. So I would say... So blame him. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's like, God, that's like nearly 29 years. God, I'm getting old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what is one of or your favourite Newcastle memory? Okay, so number one memory for me is has to be the five nil against Man United. <laughs> that was that was probably the best day of my life. I, I've got this memory of being in a pub just on the outskirts of Newcastle in a place called Whitley Bay next to the coast, um, with some family watching that there because I think that we were on a family holiday, and it was just like. Oh, it was just the perfect game, you know. It was, it was. I think it was one of the first games actually that Shearer was that, that I remember Shearer having a big involvement in. Um, him, Big Les playing as well. He scored a goal. Beardsley scored a goal, and then obviously there was that absolutely legendary chip from uh, from <laughs> from Philippe Albert. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was definitely my uh, not just my best memory for Newcastle, but one of the best days of my life. Period. Fair play, fair you know play. No, my favourite Newcastle memory is. What is? What is it? What do it? Yeah, I would love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> That's my favourite. Yeah. That's everyone's favourite memory. Oh, King Kev was such a legend as well, and it was such a shame when he uh, he broke came... down. I mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He well, when he came back to the club the second time, and Ashley treated him so badly, and there was that all that stuff with the court case and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it kind of soured the the relationship a bit. Um, there was nothing he could have done for that team at that time. Either. Yeah, like, yeah. Especially being out of the game that long. But that the, the football that he played and just the passion that he had, you know, that was yeah, that was a, a better days anyway from what they're like now. Hopefully they'll return. All right, let's get into it. Like I said, the theme this week is strikers, and uh, starting off with. Probably the biggest game of the weekend because of what it represents. City versus Arsenal. A striker took all the plaudits. Sergio Aguero with a hat trick. Hint of off, uh, hint of handball for his uh, his second goal. No doubt, no doubt. But when you work with a striker, you want Aguero. He's like the what one of the best strikers to ever grace the Premier League, isn't he? Yep. So he can you cannot do no wrong. Yes, his second goal as well. My side, is, my my view is offside, but I know you guys don't agree with that. Jeez, look, you yeah, can't. Yeah, can't no, then he said one handball, but the thing is, in each of those, <laughs> he's in the position when it needs to be, and that's what 
a proven goal scorer does. He, they're, they're in the position, they get the goals. When, they need, when your team needs it, they're there to get the goals, and that's the proper striker. So then, Aubameyang isn't a proper striker then? Well, I was going to say, on the other side of it, we're looking at two shots on target from Arsenal uh, for the whole game. One of those, obviously, was the Koscielny goal. I don't know who it was that, that took that second shot that was on target. Could have been Aubameyang or Lacazette, but either way, it's a, a very poor return. No, to be honest, for me, I don't think... like I've said this in the earlier part, right at the beginning of the season, about uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang. They don't work together well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Emery, you know, Emery knows what the hell to do with him. Because he keeps chopping and changing, moving, taking... Whereas after 70 minutes, Lacazette always comes off. Or one of them starts on the bench, he brings them on and he just keeps switching. You don't know, he doesn't know what to do. He stick with one. Aubameyang, he plays him. Yes, he's been scoring goals, but this guy drops to midfield half the time. Or he's like deep in the wing. Like, stay up front. Aguero, you don't see Aguero deep. What are you talking about, Lacazette? No, Aubameyang. Like, you, don't see, you don't see Aguero deep. So, sometimes the striker just stay up legs, top. Wing there. <laughs> It's the system they're playing, though. Like, like I said, I do agree with you with the whole playing, like I said, Aubameyang together. It's not as effective as it could be if you've decided to play Aubameyang left side and, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, on his own at the top. But um, So do you, do you think that they need a more kind of out-and-out number nine and play Lacazette and Aubameyang either side as a three? Or you just... I would actually say Aubameyang goes to the bench and Lacazette plays up top. Because when he's really? playing... Lacazette actually is more of a threat. He gets the ball, he's direct, he runs, he shoots. He can't make goals out of nothing. That's, yeah, that's what Lacazette does. Aubameyang, he drops too deep, he tries to get involved, and he's just all over the place, and then he misses, then he'll have a chance, and he'll make an uh, easy chance look hard, and then his hands on his head. <laughs> so after this game, I mean, kind of makes the question a moot point. Obviously, uh, Aubameyang broke a record... Uh, fastest to 25 goals for Arsenal, which beat Henri's previous record by, like, what, five games or something like that it was. Um, my question was going to be, could Aubameyang be better than, than Henri for Arsenal? Or does this mean that he's better than Henri for Arsenal? No. <laughs> it's a quick answer. I think if, if it comes to the skill or the talent that is the player... Henri, every, most people agree Henri is better skilled, better talented. But by the record, I'll give it to Aubameyang and I say he is better because of the squad they're playing with. These guys are much worse than the Burkhams and whatnot that Henri had. So Henri, technically, with that kind of team, should have had more goals. But I did say, would he, like, taking out, obviously, we all know Henri's a better striker. He had a better career. But saying for Arsenal in particular, like, if Aubameyang was to score. You know, if he was to have a better goals to games ratio than Henri, that means that he was better for Arsenal mm. technically. We know who's a better player, but who could be more pivotal for Arsenal? Like you say, it's a worse team now. Yeah, well, I was just looking at it. 15 goals and 25 appearances this season is good, but, you know, I, I, I feel like he's one of those players that maybe kind of goes in spurts a little bit. Uh, it's going to take a couple of... Couple of seasons to to see whether he can be consistent for Arsenal. Two, three, four seasons. If he's getting twenty five goals a season for three or four seasons, then I will maybe rethink on Aubameyang. He is twenty nine. 
You do realise that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he yeah. can go make. Well, what's his contract to Arsenal? He's got maybe another three years in his yeah, contract. Three years, well, yeah. yeah. They, they're not going to run it to the end. He's twenty nine. Maybe yeah, yeah. Yeah. players thirty five now. This is the striker's peak, and all twenty nine, twenty. No, 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 no. might be getting more goals. I don't. Joe was just saying that it's going to be what three, four seasons. It's not going to be that long because you never know. He'll go to thirty one, thirty two. Then he's out. I mean, time is against him. Time is against him. And that's where, when you talk about comparing with Henri, Henri at Arsenal, when he got those goals, he was young. Very young. Mm. So, yes, yes, Henri had better calibre players around him, but he was young. And also, that was his first season, his first proper season as a striker. Um, Obviously, he was left wing before that for all the other teams he played for. Um, How are we feeling about Man City keeping up the chase for Liverpool? Because... For the last two games, they've looked a little nervy. The Newcastle game and this this Arsenal game, they're playing very slow, ponderous football and it's allowing people to they keep are, their shape. Today, obviously, a lot of people made mention of how he's changed up the teams in mm. playing like Fernandino, centre-back. Well, the way somewhere. I see it, he's, <laughs> he's really desperate and it shows. When I say that, I mean... It's like literally looking at your team and saying, who are my best players? And just putting <laughs> every single... Exactly. So the guys you think are maybe... Because even John Stones, like you mentioned before, should probably be in the team. But mm. you just thought, if I play John Stones, this person that I've got there, like Gondawan, I think can do this job for me. This person can do this job. Fernandino can clean up. So, I, I don't know. You just swapped him out. Even Danilo, you mentioned, wasn't playing. Yeah. I, and I thought the, the mistake that he's made in the last two games is playing De Bruyne... Um, I th- I, I, I th- since he's come back from injury, I thought De Bruyne has looked a little bit off the pace. And I think that the way that Bernardo Silva has played this year, if I was Guardiola, I'd play Bernardo Silva, De- David Silva and Fernandinho in that three in midfield. And I think De Bruyne, particularly against Newcastle, I didn't think he looked very good. And actually to have Sean Longstaff in central midfield for Newcastle, who's just come out of the academy, and Isaac Hayden, who cost two and a half million. And Guardiola actually came out at the end of that game and said that the Newcastle central midfield has completely bossed the which Man City midfield, which is a shock considering the, the difference in, in talent and, and price tags. Mm. So, uh, in two respects, is quantity over quality costing City? A, obviously, with De Bruyne coming back now, he has a stacked midfield and it does look like he was trying to get everybody into that midfield today and also trying to compete on four fronts. Yeah, it's costing he because you look at the FA Cup and the League Cup, Guardiola goes out and plays his four strength teams. You don't need to do that when if he would have probably rested a few of these guys beforehand, then against like Newcastle, he could have then played his four strength team and it would be fresh. But he's not letting these guys rest at all. So I think the pursuit of him trying to go for some records here, like be get all four trophies, win that, it's costing him. Is that what's expected of him though? Is that what is expected of him to be bringing home a quadruple? No, because at first, right now, he just needs to win a Champions League. Premier League, Champions League, that's all he needs to go for. But with that squad, I would say bring, minimum double. Minimum a double, okay. I also think with, with the squad as well, I think not getting the, the Jorginho in the summer or, or or another central midfielder and I know that they were looking at a couple of guys in January as well it just feels like when I look at Man City's bench and obviously they've got Gundogan and a few other players and uh, they've got Foden coming through who looks like a really talented player they seem to just have more attacking options 
you know, particularly on the wing. And I just, I just feel like, you know, in the summer, they really need to go out and get some proper, you know, spend 50, 60 million on some proper cover for Fernandinho mm. and, and get, oh, yeah, you know, a, a big, yeah. young central midfielder who, who's going to push, push, push things forward for them. And then maybe they'll find it easier to fight on the, on the four fronts. Which is true. Um, it doesn't seem like he is a big fan of rotation, but we will see how that turns out for the remainder of the season. Moving on to the next game, Chelsea, I'll say they've returned to winning ways. They just won. <laughs> they haven't had winning ways. Um, <laughs> Chelsea uh, responded to their, their 4-0 drubbing by Bournemouth in the midweek by pulling out uh, a 5-0 against Huddersfield. Um, Higuain with two goals. Their, their new acquisition. It was Huddersfield. No, but that's that's what I was going to say. Um, I mean, is it just Huddersfield or is something is something looking like maybe Iguain was that missing component? Is that striker a smart, confident striker with the abilities that Iguain has? Is that going to make the difference for them going forward for the rest of the season? Rewind. It was Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> it was Huddersfield. I, I like the way they played Iguain. He's obviously showing he's more confident in his playing, but I think it was just Huddersfield. Okay, so, yeah, go this. Uh, <laughs> midweek, they played Bournemouth, right? And Iguain got hauled off. So exactly. in, the ten, in the days of, what, three, four days, has Iguain really learned how much to be staying on? It's Huddersfield. He's <laughs> <laughs> useless team. <laughs> so would they have, you think they would have got a 5-0 with Morata there or Giroud? For me, and I don't know if anybody else saw this, it looks like Higuain is, again, he's given a focal point to the attack. Hazard and William no longer have to worry about getting into the box. Or if they do have to worry about getting into the box, they know Higuain has dropped in and around and covered that space for them. Um, is he not? Is his intelligence and, again, his confidence, because we know Morata has not been playing with confidence, Giroud is a bit of a non-entity, is that not going to make a difference going forward? I think the big difference with with getting Higuain in is that he, he is part of Sarri's plan. And to me, when I look at Chelsea, it, it, it seems like they are a team where the players fit with the manager, not the other way around. And there's there's, there's been this big thing about them not really having a number nine um, they, they were playing Hazard as a number nine and they were playing Kante out of out of position. And it seems like Sarri really has one way that he can play and the players that are coming in have to fit with his style. And I think Higuain knows his style and he, I, I think that he will fit in with this Sarri ball very well. I agree with that. But also in terms of the striker, mm. Higuain like you mentioned, is confident and yeah. has that experience. So I think he's obviously oozing or showing things that like a Morata or even a Giroud hasn't been showing. Like when he, the, the, um, his, I think it's his second goal, was a deflection. But even being able to just take the shot straight away, Giroud yeah. wouldn't have even bothered. Exactly. So it, it, would, it would improve the team. But I don't think in terms of a team, I don't think it improved. Nothing in terms of like, I mean, Kante is still playing where he's playing. Although he did um, have a beautiful pass for... Higuain's first goal. But in, in, in terms of his forte as a player, it's not really doing that. Another team probably wouldn't have let that happen. 
The defense will still go wanted. That's what I mean. I think okay. Okay. One, of, one yeah. of the, the, the when I when I've seen Higuain before and I've seen a little bit of him play recently. One of the things that I quite like is that he seems to be quite good, even though he's not that big. At bringing other players into the game he seems mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. A, a good kind of understanding of where other players are dropping off and I can I'm hoping anyway from Chelsea's perspective that you'll start to maybe get a little bit more out of the likes of Hazard and Willian with Higuain in the team I think that he's got the the, the capabilities Which, to do that as we discussed last week maybe he won't be in the goals as much but I think the way he plays will allow Hazard and William to get back to their goal scoring ways um, you mentioned Kante it, uh, a thing that has gone a little bit unnoticed over the last few weeks is even though he's been asked to do a role that he is not his role and that he's not used to he seems to be growing into it he seems to be growing into that role Yes, how does feel to <laughs> No, I mean not just for this game. I mean over for over weeks and months. But he you, you, you says it's Huddersfield, but I know what I just said about Kante saying that's not his forte. But when he did play, even in his Kante role mm-hmm. from before DM deep line midfielder, whatever, he always showed like he, he's good on the ball. Yeah, so he's yeah, always showing yeah. he's got good feet. So unless maybe yeah, he's never been tasked to go. He's never maybe Sari is showing another part of him, which yeah. in maybe. A year from now, we'll all be saying actually he is that lack sort of complete midfielder. As before, he was just that real tenacious deep line, you know. And Macaulay part two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at this point, or before go, before going into the Chelsea Huddersfield game, uh, they were Chelsea were three points worse off than they were under Conte last season. Do we read anything into that, or is that just you know different league, different teams? things going differently or is it a cause for concern? I think that that's just how competitive the Premier League is um, and when you've got teams like Liverpool and Man City Spurs you know these these guys have you know they've been working I mean the managers all, all, all of those three managers have been there a while now and you can see mm-hmm. the 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 sort of longevity that that they've had has has created a good sort of understanding on the pitch, and I think that it you know obviously Conte did well in his uh, in his first season. I think with with how competitive it is now, it will take a little bit of time for Sarri to to maybe challenge for the league. It's true. I mean, we are all forgetting that he is still you know half a season into a brand new league, and he's not doing badly for that. And you know. Very different identity to the... Well, I don't know what Chelsea's identity is, but it's a very different style of play to what they're used to. For the third and last time, it's Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to play what? In general, Who in they general. Play? They're going to play... Next against City and Spurs. City, City and Spurs. Spurs. That's where we'll see something. If they could do that against them, then it's legit. We're not, they're not going to do nothing. Exactly. So, but well, given today's game, given how poor Arsenal was, I would say Chelsea would be, should be able to do something better than Arsenal. But yeah, 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 of course. If, 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 if he is the real deal, which I think he kind of is, but we'll have to see how it actually works with Sarri's system. The fence is still crap. I, I, I just found it funny that with uh, Sarri, the little rant that he had about the, he can't motivate the players and stuff like that. Like, you are the manager. If you can't, man, if you can't motivate the players, step aside. Do it now. <laughs> just move. Go. There's no point in what, what you're trying to do. That's your job. So... No, I think Decide. he sorted it out, though. He's got to translate. I think he sorted it out, innit? He's got to translate it out. So, so that he is not <laughs> misunderstood. 
He's, he's sleepwalking to get sacked. That's there what there must be a bit of a culture problem at Chelsea because I think Conte, Mourinho and Sarri have all mentioned uh, this thing before. And, you know, looking at these players, you know, there was that season where uh, the players completely down tools practically because th- they were they were unhappy with Mourinho. There's a lot of player power there. What about, yeah, yeah. Where, where where's the responsibility lie? Because you'd imagine that someone like Sarri is doing everything that he can to motivate the players. These players are still uh, paid by the club. They have a responsibility to to make sure that whenever they go out into the field, they put on 100. percent And I think for Chelsea. I've seen a few games, both under Mourinho, Conte and Sarri, where it's looked actually like they've downed tools. Down to the other end of the table, uh, Cardiff, 2-0 winners over Bournemouth. Bobby Reid marking his birthday with uh, a penalty and a an opportunity everyone else thought was offside, but actually wasn't. Uh, we had a re- There was a remembrance before the match for Emilia, Emiliano Sala. Before we get into it, I want to say the commentary for that Cardiff-Bournemouth game was annoying because they kept talking about how much of a burden they were under and they were playing under the way of expectation and how emotional it was. None of those Cardiff players knew Seller like that. None of them was boys of him. So even though it was a big occasion because of, you know, they were marking a remembrance, I don't think any of them were struggling under the weight of grief. It's not like Leicester where they knew the owner. They were not struggling under the weight of grief. It's true. To be honest, like, yeah, all like... They've been going on like it's a, it is a burden for them. We've been going on like it's a burden for um, what's it called, Neil Warnock. Yeah, it's not like nonce. <laughs> not like we got to frankly nonce. They for them guys. Yeah, for them, play, their players know who he is, so it's a burden That's for them. Boy. These guys, what they might play him for. As bad as they it didn't play him at all. They didn't play him. You, you, you guys are actually playing my role. I'm the no filter guy here. <laughs> Bro. What I'm gonna say is for. <laughs> Neil Warnock, he met the guy. He all right, maybe for you Warnock. know. I was asking, right, I was asking the missus, like, do you think it could be something that he's thinking? Obviously, it's not his fault, but I'm yeah, the one that I'm wanted one this guy to bring him, yeah. to come here. He's met the guy two months before, and he's been talking to him. Obviously, you know, talking him round and whatnot. So he's feeling some sort of, I don't know. It's just one of them things. I mean, you saw he's crying after the game, so With, he's obviously emotional about it. And the players, Bamba said age, he was the maybe, but Bamba said he was the. He was the one most affected because he didn't even know how to address the team. He asked Bamba if he could do it with him because he didn't know how to do it. He was that affected by it. Which is fair enough. I think my problem more is with the commentators trying to make it an angle to make things more interesting. Maybe they were, but... I and mean, that, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even going to go with the team because it's not like the team came out and they're like, oh, we're playing on the such whole, a The whole situation brief. is a bit... Yeah, it's a mad situation. Yeah. It's crazy. And Warnock, I completely agree. But the fact that they keep referring to how the players were playing under the weight of grief or, or it was important for them like, to get a result. You know, actually, no. Stop using somebody's you know, death as an angle for popularity. That, that, that but at the same time, sorry, at the same time, the whole thing for Cardiff has been this for the last however long in the stadium, in dress room, everywhere. It's not like they're feeling it like that, but... That's what everyone's talking about. Yeah, there was some expectation. There was a His weight of expectation. His family is there and whatnot. So the players feel it. It's not, but, obviously, it's not like Leicester, but still. Exactly. But to be honest, actually, Ben has just actually changed my mind. Because if you actually <laughs> It's think not about old it, age anymore. Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not. Because it, no, if you think about it, the manager, you can actually think about it. If the manager thought that this guy, in his head, he might be thinking, this guy might not be dead if I didn't If I didn't try him. and sign him. So he's obviously going through a lot. That's translated from the manager to the players. players. And the players are now thinking, you know what, let's do this for 
we don't know the player, but let's do this for the manager. Let's do something for him. Which and is that is translated to pitch. And that's translated to... They had a good like good performance, even though they lost against Arsenal. And now it's translated to a win. A, a great win for them. It was interesting to hear as well that, that Warnock had said that since the death of Salah, they actually went out and still tried to recruit another striker. And the strikers that they were approaching were saying... We can't come in these circumstances, <laughs> and and you know it's as, like a as, cursed team. It, it is, and as you know, as a, for Warnock, a guy who's desperate to avoid relegation, he mm. must be thinking, you know, what is going on? This is what this do I have to do? Worst yeah. case scenario. Um, so I do feel for Cardiff. Obviously, you know, two two points below Newcastle, so I don't feel for them too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, but looking at the game now, obviously Bobby Reed scored two goals. Um, Nias had a great game as well. Uh, he was running, he was running hard. He was holding up defenders. He was he was linking up with the play. But um, yeah, Bobby Reed seemed to rise to the occasion out of nowhere. Whereas on the other side of it, you've got Solanke who got pretty much just thrown straight into the mix straight away, who very much showed his ring rust. Yeah, I didn't know his name was Solanke. That was key <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, now you can clearly see. You can think what you like. You can, <laughs> You'd be wrong, but you can think what you like. You can clearly see that he was—he's not played in a long time. And it's like, didn't he sign from Liverpool? What, like over a month ago? And he just hasn't even featured or anything. I don't know if he's injured. But yeah, yeah with Nias, he was—he was just a willing runner. He was ready to run for everything, chase down everything, and he was just going for it. He was a nuisance. And uh, so, yeah, he, he was he was caught in trouble. He was holding the ball up. He was doing different things. And that was definitely helped Cardiff. And Sol Bamba was fantastic as well. And I think that he, he did a great defensive job for him. Big, strong. He's a good leader. Yeah, Very good. Excellent leader. He, 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 he makes a real difference for them at the back and, and had a couple of their strikers in his pocket. Um, so, an, another question, looking at the wider world of football... Um, there's a lot of talk, you know, Eddie Howe is, is a well-respected name uh-huh. in English football now. People are tipping him to go on to do great things. But this season, I think may have thrown a spanner in that work. Because if you think about it, at the end of this season, um, with the likes of, you know, you've got people like Claude Puel and uh, Marco Silva, whose jobs might be on the line. You've got the idea that Pochettino might move to United and there'll be a space at Tottenham. Is this season hurting his reputation in terms of whether he can step up, make that step up to the the next level of of managerial duty? No. No? No, I don't think so. Because, um, number one, Bournemouth, they've got limited ability. Financial ability. They can't go Mm -hmm. out and buy anyone. They they can't just go and buy anyone they want to. But shouldn't he have replaced Steve Cook by now? (laughs) 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 Well, it just, yeah. So that's that. He goes, like, in previous seasons, he's always gone through the runs of losing loads and then winning loads. Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. But, again, like, as much as you can say this game might have hurt him, the game in midweek, they just battered Chelsea. That has enhanced his reputation play. as well. Fair so, play. no, it hasn't hurt him. And they're, they're, they're still top 10, so they're still top half at the moment. And I think that if they can finish the season in the top half of the table... 
it'll be another excellent season for him. I think, you know, they've made some decent signings. I think Solanke potentially is, you know, is, is a good signing. Uh, Jefferson Lerma in the summer, I think, was a good signing for them. And Brooks, who they've got coming through now, looks like a real talent. If they can, uh, if they can hold on to Brooks, I, I, I heard at the weekend that Tottenham are, are potentially going to be sniffing around in the summer to try and sign him. If they can hold on to him, maybe get a couple more players in the summer, then I think they they could be a real uh, sort of, I mean, not challenging for for top six, maybe, but but should be in and around. You know, top eight, top nine on Challenge a regular basis. Yeah, <laughs> you don't even need to worry. Tottenham will sign nobody. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. Uh, so, from one team in turmoil to another, really, <laughs> Everton versus Wolves. Uh, Everton were on the end of a three-one beating at home, um, which follows. Obviously, they won one in against Huddersfield, but it's Huddersfield. Uh, losses against Everton uh, losses against Millwall sorry losses against Southampton Ah, what, what is going on what's going on with Everton is their lack of striker hurting them is it something more as an Everton fan should you still be happy with where they are and what they're doing right about now I think the, the, the problem with Everton has been you know last season you've got Sam Allardyce this season you've got Marco Silva there's a big difference in styles they've also signed a lot of players which you know obviously I'm a Newcastle fan and that's you know not something that I ever see really happening at my club of signing any players but you know I think for Everton you could even say that they've signed too many players you know are they struggling to kind of integrate them all into the team I think Silva, you know, last season, a lot of Everton fans were saying that the actual style of football was a problem. So they bring in Marco Silva. For me, I wouldn't say he's a proven manager yet, like someone like Sam Allardyce. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think that there's a lot of question marks about Silva still. Yeah, you know, that actual, that point of Silva, though, it's, a, it's actually a case. Has he been at a club long enough to actually, like, he's never been there long enough to see everything through to, to leave he, his mark he, he ends up moving yeah. on so was this his Everton, third, third team third team in well three seasons, seasons. <laughs> <laughs> third team in three seasons so basically this is around the time when he starts wanting to agitate that move <laughs> go on so I think it's just the team is a reflection of him it's just a mess I don't think he's done enough I've said it last game I mean you mentioned obviously they beat Huddersfield but like we all said it's, it's Huddersfield. Huddersfield so with that kind of team, you, you, you're probably right. At the same time with saying maybe they signed too many players. But with the talent you've got, you shouldn't be pulling in some of the scores they do. Especially at home. It's, I don't mm-hmm. think it's acceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if, I, if I'd seen my team with such players and you think you've got a decent enough manager, which they do, and he can't get anything out of these players, I don't know what else they need. Because they're not, they're not a top six side. So with that, that team, it shouldn't be struggling the way they do. All right, but saying that, they're five points ahead of where they are last season. So should Everton fans be cool? Should they be chill? Because they, they, there obviously is some improvement. Like we're saying, we were saying about, Joe was just saying about how with Chelsea, it's a harder league than it was last year. Harder league, five points better off. You know what? That's, that question comes twofold. For the fans, when, when, when you look at the style of play, they're better than Sam Aladice team. Sam Aladice team, isn't it? They're better than that, but 
the pressure comes when I don't know if you guys have heard the top, uh, the Everton board recently been talking about their ambitions. They're, no. they're about to get this uh, sign up for the new stadium. Oh yes, they're yeah. saying they should be a top four team or should be challenging definitely. Yeah. Top four. They're saying they're saying basically that. <laughs> top so these are the things with with, with 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 that with that pressure coming from the board. Now that adds in pressure for the manager, like you should be doing better with what you have. So that I, don't, I think that's warping a few people. I think a bit like Newcastle fans, what dimension, but. Bruv, I want whatever the board is smoking, bro, because that's it's getting good to them. It's getting good to them. A top fourteen. There's a top six now that they're not even breaking into, and they want top four. They want top right. four after the top. Six. Keep it cool, in it. Keep it cool. But what about wolves? I mean, wolves on the other side. Um, again, going with looking at strikers. Um, it looks like Diego Jota. Um, his his return is releasing Jimenez. Um, Jimenez seems to be coming back into form and it does seem to coincide with the return of Jota. I agree with that, but I think in general, when, like they say, when a striker gets a goal, he's in form. Okay. So, I mean, like the, his goal was, was from a cross, I'm sure, and headed in from, um, I think it was Moutinho. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, he's getting goals from all angles now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play. So, he's Jota's, I, I think, all-round play from everyone because even now, Neves, although this one was... Um, a penalty, Neves, Moutinho, all of them are coming into the assisting and mm-hmm. the scoring. Mm-hmm. So I think all in all, Wolves are sort of coming into their own, like no, attacking wise. You know, like big, well, earlier in the season, there was the whole thing that Wolves needed a striker, they couldn't score. Yeah. And they're struggling. Three goals in 10 games now. So, whatever. 10 goals in three games. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is not <laughs> a good stat, bro. That is not a good stat, bro. <coughs> Let me start that again. <laughs> I'm leaving that bit. <laughs> Ten goals in three games, sir. Like something's obviously worked, and yeah, it's got to be that bringing in Jota, <coughs> and not just that pushing players more forward. because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, um, it was the other guy, Dendonka. He's got, he was pushing as well. Uh, so more people are coming in support of him in this, and they're getting the ball in earlier. So that's helping out. Where in previous months they weren't they weren't getting the ball forward as much and they were trying to I don't know they were just trying to time time their attacks and stuff like that and it just wasn't working. And a, and a shout out I think as well for this game for Connor Cody who I thought had a really really strong game and obviously he's playing against Everton he, he's a he's a big Liverpool fan so there <laughs> may have been a little bit of extra motivation for him but I've seen him a couple of times this season and I thought that he looks good passing out of the back he looks good and strong I think definitely that you know he 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 is a very very important player for them uh Cody is Cody's definitely a, a very important player for them and he he's yeah, he doesn't really have bad performances. Sometimes they go a little bit under the radar. But I think we all know Wolves, there's no issue. They're safe. We'll see what they can kick on and do next season. Newcastle uh, took the visit to Wembley uh, to play Tottenham. Tottenham ended up the 1-0 winners. Um, in doing so, they managed to set a new record for the most consecutive Premier League games without a draw. And... Again, once again, it seems like it was a striker that made the difference. They were struggling against Newcastle, but once they brought Lorente on uh, and Danny Rose pushed on up a little bit more forward, uh, he was the one who gave the assist to Son. That's two goals and one assist in his last three games. I think, yeah. I mean, this one was this was, it was a tough one for for the Newcastle fans to take. Um, I thought that Son played quite well. He seemed lively. 
Um, I, I thought it was actually a very, very even game. I think that there was there was a sort of big sort of difference I thought first half I thought Newcastle came into it a bit more in the second half had quite a few chances Spurs also had quite a few chances both uh, hit the post Shah uh, cleared off the line which was very very close to going over um, yeah that was a very good clearance he's I mean he scored a couple of goals as well the, the other day but I think I mean to me Spurs I didn't think looked that strong I, I mean I think that they were quite lucky the goal that they did score as well was from a pretty bad goalkeeping error from Dubravka which was it a was. shame nice, because yeah. uh, Dubravka's been really really good for Newcastle this season but that was one that he should have kept out um, but Newcastle, from the Newcastle side, I think, you know, quite strong, good going forward in certain places. Rondon, again, looks very, very strong. Um, but, uh, yeah, very disappointing for, for a Newcastle fan. Just a random question, obviously because I've gone in. What do you think of Atsu? Atsu, interesting, interesting that you asked that, actually, because Atsu, at the beginning of the season, I thought was awful. I think the last few games I remember the away game against Watford I thought he was man of the match and then he followed that up I thought we had a good performance against Man United yeah. he it's his finishing that he struggles with he's quick where I really like him is he's really good on at a quick turn so if he's playing in that sort of inside forward or winger role the ball comes into him he's he's got a quick turn and he can run away and he, and his his crossing and his passing has generally got a lot better it's the finishing that still lets him down but I as a player I like him uh, yeah strong I only also because I think he's he's got what you said I mean he's got the pace he's got the quick turn but I think it, it, the final third when he's crossing or finishing mm. it's a bit end product it's end product thank you it's end product what used to be good in terms of finishing if anyone remembers that yeah, world yeah, yeah, he yeah. scored in the African nations but he doesn't do that enough but yeah um, again, I say again, it was a very good game for Newcastle. I think they picked up where they left off against Man City. Very defensively organised. Um, yeah. I think it was more down to their. You know, you see some games where the the dominant team or the team that you expect to win, they miss a lot of chances or they would work or whatever. But I think the defensive uh, solidity of Newcastle was what kept Tottenham out. But it does seem that the the luck is with Tottenham. Over the last few games, I mean, what's this? This is like the third game in a row where they've left it very late and they've scored at the very end to take all three points. Um, and like, you know, like everybody always says, top teams need a little bit of luck and it seems like this is their time for it now. Yeah, no, to honest, it normally, luck favours the brief, normally. <laughs> so yeah. if you keep yeah. persevering and trying to go, it will count in your favour and you're going to get something and they keep going to the latter stages. And yeah, three games in a row. They've scored late. So, yeah, you can only build your own luck. And I think when, when they get Kane back, they get Deli Ali back, they'll look like a much stronger team. The, the, the two t- Lorente seems to be getting a little bit of confidence back, but he's still 
he's still way off what Kane he's off is. He's still having the sun in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think even, even, even Lucas, I thought, looked a little bit, I think, is he just coming back from injury or something like that? But I remember that match that Lucas had against Man United at Old Trafford, and I thought, is this the guy that is going to, you know, really push things forward for Spurs? But the last, you know, the, the last couple of games that I saw Lucas play, I haven't been that impressed with him. He's been a bit off it for me. To be honest, Brian will be in United them days, so <laughs> <laughs> could have been a full storm. But like you say, um, in terms of striker, looking at Rente, two goals, one assist in his uh, last couple of appearances. Is he doing enough while Kane's out? Do we expect more from him? No, I don't think we expect more from him, but what he's done so far... I mean, a lot of people laughed it off when... <laughs> there's a fantasy oh, football <laughs> you put Lorente in your team and think what the hell are you playing at but if you watch the game the last game they played he got a goal he got an assist and in this game he come on and he made the difference yeah. and whether it's a handball or not he made the assist for Son so he, he's, he's doing what he can I mean he's old how old is he like 33 the way I see he's old enough yeah he's, he, is, he is about that <laughs> 32, 33 I think and it was a strange one when they signed him because even though he had a yeah, good yeah. season with Swansea you look at a team like Spurs and to me I think they should be going, for, should be going for better players than that because sometime during the season Kane is going to get injured and you know to, to bring in somebody like Lorente, he's, he's just not anywhere uh, near but just the same a, on, a, on a quick thing because I've had this discussion a few times who could Tottenham bring in as a good quality striker that wants to be back, play second fiddle? There's not many people. So yeah. no one really... I mean, so you're, you're looking you, at a youngster, though. You're looking at a youngster. You're looking at finding a youngster. They're unproven. This is the thing. Half of them. So, so is the rent. This is, is the <laughs> problem when, when you have one out-and-out striker that is, like, regardless of how what form he's in, he's always going to be fair choice. Mm. This is the issue you will have. Yeah, I, th- I think that is. Uh, to displace him. Yeah, I think that is a very good point, actually. And I mean, I, I look at someone like Rondon versus, you know, somebody like Lorente, and I think, you know, for me, Rondon is is a much more dynamic player. He's stronger. He holds the ball up better, and and that potentially, you know, could, if, be if, could, could have choice. been a better Tottenham choice, possibly. Even somebody like Mitrovic would would Mitrovic play. Second fiddle to Kane. He's still quite young. I'm just not sure. Um... All right. Well, let's move on to Tottenham. And let's put you in the hot seat, Joe. Uh, what are your thoughts on Newcastle for the whole of this season? Say that again. Pause and say that again. He said, let's move on to Tottenham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> say that again. So let's move on to more of a focus on Newcastle. Seeing as we have a Newcastle fan here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Newcastle for this season? Well, I think uh, probably about two weeks ago, I was the most depressed I've ever been as a Newcastle fan. <laughs> when when that is saying a lot, I think you know we've had some real low points. Obviously, two relegations in the in the Ashley era. The the moment when Jordan Lukaku failed as medical because he was overweight what was, was uh, that's that's apparently why he failed the medical. It's yeah, that was um, that 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 was a that was a low point, uh, particularly coming off the, the 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 FA Cup sort of loss to Watford as well at home, where we really limped out of that one. I thought you know it's going to be another one of those transfer windows where we don't sign anybody. But when you sign Miguel Almiron and you beat Man City 2-1 at home 
on the same day, then that has taken things from being very bad to just pretty bad. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Newcastle fans, and I'm included in that, will never, ever be happy until Mike Ashley goes. That That is, you know, that is still the main problem with the club. Um, we're, we're not happy with... The, the the strategy around Benitez because Benitez hasn't got a new contract so we're a little bit worried about losing Benitez so what are your thoughts on Benitez um, as a manager what he's done for you so far his future I mean Benitez is 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 obviously a top manager he's he's won the Champions League he is one of the top top managers in the world and you know, considering we, you know, the last manager that we had was Steve McLaren. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with Benitez. You know, to go from Real Madrid to Newcastle is, is a is is a big step down. The, I mean, you know, a lot of Newcastle fans are unhappy with his overly defensive display. So the the you know one of the displays that I was thinking of in particular was was that FA Cup game against Watford when we just didn't really seem like we we wanted to actually go out and win the game. Um, you know he's he's brought in five at the back recently, which has worked quite well for us. But again, a lot of Newcastle fans are not going to be happy if we play five at the back at home against fellow struggling teams. The the three nil against Cardiff was a big win for us as well. Um, if 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 Ashley goes, we stay up and we keep Benitez, then I'll be very happy. Well, I guess obviously you've made your your feelings on Mike Ashley pretty clear, so. Maybe a bit of a redundant question, but your your thoughts on Mike Ashley buying everything but players. He bought House yeah. of Fraser, he bought HMV. I don't know what he's buying helicopters next, I don't know. But didn't he just sign a player? Yeah, they did. They yeah. just broke the transfer. So, they so just we, just, the we transfer just bought fee. Miguel Almiron, but it's, but in it's, general, it's the, it's the uh, first time that we've broken our transfer record since Michael Owen. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, which which feels like a lifetime ago. It was, it was about yeah. Um, and I think that you know the, the the issue with Mike Ashley is, does he really want to sell the club? That's the first question. If he does, then why isn't he doing it? Is the is the value that he's putting on it is it too high? The second question is that he has a very different sort of strategy in terms of signings to Benitez. So Ashley wants to buy young players that he has got good resale value on it's this whole mm. kind of sports direct model where you know buy cheap kind of crap base, it yeah <laughs> basement bargain um you know trying to max maximize profits all the time and then what happens is that you get a team of you know relatively mediocre players where Benitez wants to get in proven Premier League quality because he knows that that's what's going to keep Newcastle up okay um so yes you know we were we were assuming that HMV would be would be the only signing of the window <laughs> um but, but luckily uh, it wasn't luckily it wasn't so you know we don't you know I, I keep on looking at teams where it's you know Sort of House of Fraser and Rondon up front together, <laughs> um, which is uh, which is pretty embarrassing. Uh, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Hopefully, he can sell in the summer. Well, so you heard it here. The message is basically "fuck you, Mike." <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, United went to the King Power Stadium to take on Leicester. Leicester, who have had a lot of joy against 
some of the top teams in the league. Obviously, uh, wins against City and Chelsea, uh, a draw against Liverpool in their last game. So this was seen to be another test or another hurdle for, for Solskjaer, which he passed through 1-0. Um, obviously, the Burnley game, 2 draw in the midweek. Lukaku was playing up front and Rashford was shunted out to the wing. This game, Rashford comes back in as number nine and he scores. Is is he undoubtedly, is he is he's United's main striker now? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we've got time for this week. No. <laughs> no, you know, I would rather have just the energy that Rashford puts into the play. Mm-hmm. He's a willing runner, he's a willing fighter. He just shows everything that Lukaku hasn't got. So he's got number one, he's got a, he's got he can control the ball the ball first time. <laughs> as we saw today, as we yeah, saw so, today. Yeah, like that, that pass from Pogba, brilliant, brought it down, finish. That's what you need. Lukaku can't do that. So, for me, yeah, Rashford is the number one now. And I think that you'll see people like Pogba playing better because the runs that Rashford's making, the runs that Martial are making, and I think it was the it was the Spurs game, and I was really impressed with, with Solskjaer on this game as well, where he played Lingard as a sort of false nine, and then he played Martial and Rashford either side. And I thought that, you know, great tactics from Solskjaer and, you know, great to see such pace for uh, Man United going forward. And it was it was that link up again with Pogba to Rashford today, you know, that that they had against Spurs, you know, with that long ball over. It's fantastic finish. Yeah. No, but to be honest, that exactly what you were showing there, you were saying there, the running that uh, Rashford has been showing, a lot of the... Actually, the United forwards in the, throughout the season have actually done the running. The midfielders have never actually found them because they've never been given the licence to find them. Mm-hmm. So now, obviously, they've got managers that say get the ball forward first time. Now they're trying to always find these passes and that's how you create chances. So that's why that's the difference in why these players, like I think uh, Solskjaer even said it about Martial, saying he can be a better striker mm-hmm. if he finishes. And it's not like he's not a bad finisher. He just needs to get in... Have the chances more. Be a bit more selfish. Just get there more and get the finish scuffs more. and the tapping. So it's that's all it is. Just be in a position and you'll do it. I think, well, you mentioned obviously Lukaku and Rashford. You can see Lukaku um, midweek. Mm-hmm. See Rashford now. Um, for the style Ole has been playing for the eight games won, that change in style obviously affected the team because not only did he bring in Matar and Pereira but it, it changes the whole kind of football they play. Because even today, after that first goal, the goal was good. I mean, it was a little mistake from Leicester. Rashford obviously was obviously on his bike when he saw that gap and Pogba mm-hmm. picked him up. Mm-hmm. But from then, it wasn't... It, 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 it To some extent, it didn't fully work. But I'm thinking, if Lukaku was in that position, it would be much worse. Because how they link up between Lingard and Rashford and even Pogba, with Lukaku there, it has to be a difference of dynamic where... I don't know, the hold-up play will be different. Oh no, obviously he's, I think he's suited to a different type of game, which begs the question, with the way United are playing now, and obviously we don't know who's coming in as the manager for next season, but we're, you know, the talk is that it's somebody who's going to continue what's happening right now with the, the, the quick dynamic play. Is there a place for Lukaku at United? I he's never needed anyway. 
Okay, that's not the question. <laughs> that's not the question. But I think there is a place for him, but that's if United... Because there's two things you have to... Well, for me, anyway. Mm-hmm. With my experience as a football manager... <laughs> <laughs> the same as Ole's yeah. like, football manager. Yeah, Basically, yeah. it's always good to have that um, difference in style of play. Mm-hmm. So although, for example, we didn't, most players didn't, or people didn't like Fellaini, it was good to have the option where you think we could just pile the box and the box and then get someone to cross the balls in. So in this case, yeah, MK. Look, look, for example, let's use Arsenal as well. Arsenal don't have proper wingers. And I've said that. Yeah, they were looking yeah, at the guy. This was weeks before, weeks before I mentioned that to a few of my friends. They should be looking at players like Perisic or yeah. a sort of wide player that Young, uh, he's forward, but he can... Carrasco, yeah. These kind of players. So, I mean, all the players, I'm, besides, I'm like Urzo and Obama, they're not proper out wide players. Playing in Wobby there, Wobby's not the finished article like that. Maybe it's finished for him, but in general, it's not the finished article like that. So, we if if you have a player like Lukaku who'll be there when you know you need the aerial threat and whatnot, it's a good addition. You're losing a game, you can have Rashford and Lukaku there. And you've got a plan B yeah. with Lukaku and the team, haven't you? And I think the the other thing that I noticed as well was one of the the differences. And you guys, obviously, as Man United fans, can correct me if I'm wrong here. But when Mourinho was playing three in midfield. It looked like it was very. It was a very flat three with yep. almost Pogba to the left of the three, and now it's very much a sitting two with Pogba more advanced, and that seems to have just freed up Pogba a little bit. And again, you know, Rashford, Martial, all these guys running off him will really thank Solskjaer for for freeing up Pogba. I love it. Sunez agrees with that Pogba comment. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side, back to Puel Watch. You know, we've been keeping an eye on this. Um, Leicester didn't disgrace themselves, right? I mean, obviously they gave up a goal again in the first 10 minutes, which is where the majority of their goals came from. But once that goal had gone in, United never really took, you know, a commanding lead or a commanding hold of that game. And I think it's because Leicester made it difficult for them. I still think they're playing some good football, right? Like, they didn't get the result this time around, but again, we asked the question, should his job be at risk? As I said a couple of weeks ago, um, PL doesn't get judged on these games. This is not the games that that should, that should that has his job on the line. Mm-hmm. Leicester were the better team in the second half. They, dom- they dominated it. They couldn't, just, they couldn't get their finishing touches. United disappeared. The defence was very good, but actually. These are, yes, but these are not the games that... It's it's the games where they played the they played the big teams, then they will go play and they've already lost to Cardiff. They will go play another. They play Huddersfield. They lose to Huddersfield. Yeah, it's it's yeah, nonsense yeah. like that, which is what pisses off fans. I don't know, Joe, as a Newcastle fan, when you lose against a team that you think you should be beating, does that not piss you off? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think uh, you know one of the th- one of the things as a Newcastle fan this season has been a lot of the home defeats that we've had. I think I remember going to the games and we'd had something like eight home defeats. And you look at some of the teams that we got beaten by. You know, uh, we got beaten by Wolves, who had just been promoted. I see them as a smaller team to Newcastle, even though they are... Um, <laughs> what? They're a better team. <laughs> what? Yeah, well, they are, at, the time, at the time. Though, at the I, I time, want, I want whatever you're smoking right now. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, maybe they, they were. I, I, yeah. I th- you know, I, th- I think just, you know, even though they might have some really good players and they're doing well this season, I still see them as a newly promoted side and it's at home. And, you know, Newcastle lost, you know, to a number of other teams as well that were kind of in 
in and around that bottom half of the table at home. So, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it, get, it gets you. Yeah. Just one last thing to reinforce your point. Obviously, they got that uh, one point against Leicester. That's one point out of a possible 12 that they've, that they've got. And their other losses, United, Wolves and Southampton. So they're not bringing in the results that they need to be. So maybe he should get fired. I don't know. Maybe how his job. What, what, nerd, what nerd player I wanted to ask you about is this Harvey Barnes. I haven't really seen that much of him. Have you? Uh, he was brought back brought from. Back. He was brought back from loan. He's, yeah. he's a good player. I think he's, he's played he's, two games so far. He's looked pretty good. Two, I watched yeah, a couple game of today. Well, I thought that he looked quite ago. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, Harvey he, Barnes yeah, because he scored. He scored in, in the, the first uh, game. Back. The Wolves Leicester game, right? Yeah. He scored in the Wolves Leicester game when they lost four uh, three. Um, he looks like he could be promising. Again, the same mould as a Brooks or a Madison or a Morgan Gibbs-White. We'll keep an eye on him and we'll see what happens. A potential player of the year. Potential player of... <laughs> potential player of potential of the year. That's that's what he might be. Um, moving on. Burnley-Southampton. The spores were shared. That was one all. There's only one thing to talk about in this game and that's Ashley Barnes. Um, from one Barnes to another. <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously we had a penalty that wasn't given a penalty that was given and some of the maddest disrespects that I've seen to an official in in, <laughs> in that I can remember outright I can remember just outright just disrespect so alright let's look at the first penalty incident which came just before the disrespect we're talking penalty right? yeah 100% we're talking a penalty actually yeah. like it was a penalty yeah. and Fair enough that the referee might not have seen it. I don't know why he wouldn't have. The linesman missed it. I don't know why he wouldn't have. But then to book him for a dive? No, no. Like, it shouldn't have, it should have been given a penalty. It should have been given so, a penalty. It should have. Obviously, he didn't think. But the referee didn't... The referee, well, it wasn't even the referee that gave it. It was the linesman. They didn't see it as that way. They gave it as a dive. So he got the yellow card. That's the end of the case. You can't... There's no VAR at the moment. So you cannot judge... You cannot... Uh, say anything about that decision mm-hmm. you've got to take it as it is yellow card mm-hmm. then after that going and berating the referee and uh, the landsman shouting in his face and you where spat right next to him I know where? he spit on him but still yeah but, but still. that's a sign of disrespect where's, some where's... countries that get you killed man <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's the consistency because last week Zaha clapping in the referee's face after getting a yellow card got sent off yeah yeah of course he's now doing this and he doesn't and I, obviously hearing Dermot Gallagher on BT Sports, he was talking about, oh, because of the injustice that he didn't get the penalty, it's okay because he's allowed to show nah, the that's anger. Bullshit. That's nonsense. Bullshit. Because the thing is, it doesn't matter. If you've really got the yellow card, you have to stop there. You but continue. saying nah. that, is it kind of, it kind of evens itself out because even though he should have got a yellow card for what he did to the linesman, he shouldn't have got a yellow card for diving. So he ended up with one yellow card anyway. No, because... Maybe this is what... I'm going to come on to Dermot's defence here. The card did come after he'd given the abuse. Yeah, but the whistle was blown. The whistle was yeah, blown. Yeah, but, but the, in terms of Zaha's case, he got the card, yeah. clapped him off in his face, yeah. and then got another. Whereas in this case, this happened, he's like, what the fuck? Goes straight to the linesman, gives him all the abuse. But and was then, the referee not going to give a yellow card anyway? Because if you're he not giving a penalty, then, you're blowing a whistle. As he got there, he just said, look, I'm giving you this card, bang. If mm. he'd done something after, he would have had to give him a card. But this in, is, the, in the paper, I'm well, you could have given him two. In, could have given him two. Well, could have just one-one. One. Yeah, that's in, what they do sometimes, don't they? Bloop, bloop. That's the way, in the reasoning, it was a yellow card for diving. That was the reasoning. So, 
the berating of the re- of the linesman is a completely different thing, and that's the second yellow card. Uh, let's put it to be honest. Do you think he should have got two yellows? I think it was too. If, if you're going to book him for the dive, then you have to book him again. And you know, you're right. What you're saying about Zaha, it was exactly the same situation. There needed to be more consistency from the ref there. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really aggressive, actually, from the from Barnes. Going pretty close to, to yeah, the line, very screen, aggressive, and like. then very aggressive to the to the referee as well. I think that that you know that has to be a yellow card. If I'm the linesman, I'm taking the fine and sparking him. <laughs> <laughs> Said fine, you know, <laughs> from the game. Probably, probably, but it'll be worth it. All right, and then uh, obviously, what, what wrongs righted? They got the second penalty, which not a popular view, but in my mind, I don't think that's a pen. Well, th- this this is where we disagree a little bit. I actually did think that that was a penalty because I thought that his arm was off. And I know that you guys disagree with this, but I, I, I thought that his arm was in an unnatural position. And whether that... Because the crouch was crouch kind of knocking the ball back down to yeah, somebody, and crouch did, the ball back did down. his arm stop the ball? It's from a going penalty. I agree. Yeah. It was a penalty. Your arm should not be there. It was there, right? Yeah, but yeah. It's from yeah, behind. It's, it's coming okay. from behind. How did no you know it was coming like from this. behind today? As soon as you put your arm in a natural position, you've given your nah, target nah, nah. to give away a penalty. No, no, that's, that's like saying you could be standing in the box like this, and someone behind you kicks the ball against your arm. It's a penalty. Why is your hand over there? In a normal situation, in a normal situation, that is a penalty. But when you actually look at it again, Crouch has both his hands on the defender's shoulders and he's jumping up. He's holding the defender down, which is why the guy's hands are up. He like doesn't that. have to hold anyone That's, down. He's it it's, said to no, the skies already, so, he's just put a relaxing hand on Regardless if it, if it hit his hand, it's a free kick. And it should go the other way, so it should. It could be given. Me, if, if you say it's a penalty, it is a penalty. If you say it's a foul bar crouch, it, it's, it could it be a foul. It should have been a foul, but for first, me... Fair enough. But. The second penalty just cancels out the first one, because the first one should have been a penalty, second one should have been a Rightly, the guy that should have been sent off. Do you, do you think that the referee, if he was at a, looking at the second penalty as a 50-50 thinking potentially in the back of his mind that he made a mistake with the first one. Do you oh, think that no that means doubt. that he gives um, Crouch the benefit of the doubt in that situation if, and if gives the penalty to, for Barnes? Or? To be honest, uh, maybe I spoke a little bit too soon. I think the referees do that. I do think the referees do that in the game. I'm not saying that he definitely did it in this case, but I'm saying it could be. I'm saying that's a thing that I do think. You look at some of the way... The referees act after they've made when they know they've made a bad decision, and then minutes later they make another bad decision in the opposite direction. Yeah, I do they think they try and balance the books. So you think at half time he went in and watched the dodgy internet stream? So he made a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he needs a dodgy internet stream. Like I'm pretty sure it's all there for him. Like, but you know, wh- however, however he saw it, he saw it. But you know, uh, the the spools were shared between the two of them. Let's move on to the next game which is Crystal Palace and Fulham. Crystal Palace ran out the 2-0 winners on this one. Um, again, we're talking the Taylor strikers on both ends. Uh, Benteke's back, making a nuisance of himself. It was him that uh, was harassing defenders to get that first penalty. Batshuayi helped make the second goal. Um, they're finally playing with real strikers and it seems to be paying off for them. Yeah, I think this is what they've been missing. Because Benteke had been what, injured most of the time. Yep. Before that, he couldn't score penalties and missing. Couldn't score anything. But he was... <laughs> yeah, they need someone that can hold up. And especially the typical thing, they normally can't do anything without Zaha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Zaha wasn't there and they're doing this. So 
Yeah, I think having no strike as a focal point, it helped. I just think it's a bit of a piss take in the sense that they did play Benteke and he was crap before. Everyone said it's like having, it's like having 10 players on the pitch with Benteke on. <laughs> so I just think he's come back and he knows, okay, we really need something happening. Zaha wasn't there. So he, he, he had a good game. That's it. I don't read anything into it. Because Jordan Hughes is a striker. He's been playing for a half. He's been crap. If he came back <laughs> after no, no strikers, you can't say, yeah, this is what's been Does that you usually eat? If, oh, right. Okay, so what happened if this didn't happen? Benteke was playing and you yeah, were playing. Yeah, if this didn't happen, that's like, if... if you but this is my point. I'm, like saying, I'm going by the stats. He's been playing and nothing happened. It's not like... Was this his second game, third game back? I think it's his first. No, Benteke. I think he came on as a Yeah, exactly. So you don't know. You don't know. Maybe he's revitalized So the the injury has revived her, but yeah, I wouldn't say that's what they were missing. If anything, they were missing so hard. Well, that's. that's I'd say that's quite a strong front three now as well. If you've got Batshuayi with Andros Mm. Townsend and Zaha, oh, that's very strong. That is quite a strong front three, and I think that they, you know, if they make a couple of signings in the summer, I, I quite like that Palace team actually. Yeah, I think that they might maybe be, you know, going for top half next season. Then Batshuayi going low. Uh, that's why he's on loan. But you know, there's going to be if he does well enough, they'll 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 fork out the money. Uh, Chelsea like will 35 take, million, 25 million for him. Uh, Chelsea will take him back to London again. Looking at the other side of it, um, Fulham. Fulham's problem is they may be relying a little too much on their striker. Nobody else. I mean, Barber was anonymous for that game. I didn't even. It was only because the color of his hair that I realized he was on the pitch. <laughs> like, I just kept seeing that. I was like, who is this guy? And then I remembered that it was that it was Barber. But nobody, nobody else seems to be willing to to try and grab goals for Fulham. Yeah, I think that Mitrovic has, um, you know, he, he's had a, he's had a good, couple of good games, but again, he's inconsistent, and he was poor yesterday. He should have scored after about ten minutes. He he had a really good opportunity. I just look at the Fulham team, and maybe a little bit similar to Everton actually, where they've signed so many players during the summer. Because you look at them on paper and you think Schürrle, Seri, you know these guys are good players. You know Mitrovic, some of some of the some of the midfielders and strikers they've got. But obviously the big problem for them is the defence. You know they got Alfie Mawson in, um, who you know was a decent signing for them in the defence, but they didn't strengthen that defence as much as they should have in the in the summer. Um, so you know I think big problems. With what you said about Mitrovic, I think my, my, I'm, I'm posing a question: Is he actually that good? Is my question because he's not a typical striker. When I watch him, he reminds me of. Do you remember Tarat? <laughs> Adele, yeah, Adele, Adele Tarat. Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, didn't yeah. seem like it was natural to him. It, it it seemed like he was a. No, but Fulham's team is built around him. Okay, fine, but I'm saying when but I I'm see saying nobody else from even yesterday, Mitrovic. It, he doesn't seem like a typical striker where you say Aguero is this kind of player, Suarez is this kind of player, Rashford is this kind of player, or um, even Rondon. With Mitrovic, he just seems to be that bullish sort of... You know, like a bull is Lukaku. <laughs> That's a really poor, poor player then. But it's like a bull in China show where he's just hustling, bustling anyone there. The ball comes, you know, he just puts a head to it. He doesn't have that typical DNA of a striker, so to speak. I think sometimes he's, he, rather than having class, he's more informed. At times, because yeah, he can do good stuff. I think that's the thing is that he's inconsistent, and I think he, there was a match I think last week where he scored two goals and, and had quite a decent game by all accounts. And then yesterday, I think that he was poor. 
I think that the, he, he can be a bit emotional as well. So from watching him play for Newcastle, he's the kind of guy, maybe a little bit like, you know, Pogba or somebody like that, that can have these kind of strops where he throws his toys out of the pram and sort of wanders around for 20 minutes instead of really trying to get involved in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the kind of player that, you know, for, for a lot of teams, I would have as, as a sub rather than as your, your go-to guy. But, you know... I think you're just throwing. I don't know. You're just looking at stuff again. Yeah, you're just justifying because he's not a Newcastle player. <laughs> but um, ten goals a season—that's a lot for for a team that's struggling. Ten goals. This guy, Mitrovic, yeah. can score goals. He can score he's goals, doing. but I think you know there there was a reason, obviously, why Rafa got rid of him from Newcastle. I think that he has he can be quite toxic for the culture. I've heard. And I don't know whether that's just because he was unhappy at Newcastle. Oh, Kamara's gone. The beef with Kamara, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Why did they um, take him to Turkey? Yeah, <laughs> although I do think that was Kamara's fault. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no, it was, it was. But, I mean, I th- you know, he has, had a d- he has had a good season overall. Just looking at the game yesterday and, you know, I just wonder whether he can still be a bit consistent. Maybe part of it is that he's not getting the service that he needs. I think as a, um, you know, as a striker, he does, you know, he's aggressive, he's strong, he's good in the air, he can finish. Um, he he can lay it off as well. Um, you just see him selling it. But you know, it, it, the, the, I suppose the question is: long term, is he going to be consistent? Is he going to get you Probably twenty not. goals a season? Probably not. Probably not. Two teams that I guess could have used somebody that could get twenty goals a season: Brighton and Watford. Again, Brighton are involved in one of the deadest games of the week: uh, the nil-nil <laughs> with Watford. Um, and I think again it highlights how reliant they are on Glenn Murray Glenn Murray's going through a, a, a dry patch at the moment I know no, he scored not. in the what he scored what he scored in the, the game that they lost against Fulham so that was not. his first goal that was his first goal in what like 10 games one really goal in 10 games it. well that is a dry patch bro it All was right. a dry a patch a slightly moist patch it's, a, it's <laughs> slightly a dry moist patch it's not patch. a drought it? yeah it's not a drought it's a dry patch um, but they look too heavily reliant on Murray, and if Murray can't score, then nobody does. Even though, boy, you know what? I, I, Dutch I, I, tried his hardest to be a striker. <laughs> no, I would actually say um, Ben Foster was the reason why they didn't win. He was on fire. He was Jesus. on fire. He was on fire. What about Foster for England? No, 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 too, no too there's old. too many. There's too many look, guys. Look at, there's too many guys. If you look, if you look this season, you look at the form of Pickford, who's been poor the last, uh, the last, the last couple terrible. of He's months. Um, you know, if if Tom Heaton can stay fit, then fine. Exactly. He um, but uh, as things stand, if England were going to play a World Cup final tomorrow, I would 100% start Foster. He's the best English keeper. Mm, I've, I've seen him for United when he's in the big time. <laughs> big time, Charlie. No, it doesn't. It doesn't help. Also, for Brighton, I was going to ask, what's happened to Knockhart? Because I'm not, I'm not sure. Has he been playing much recently? Because he tends to come off the bench more recently. He does t- after being their star player last year. I don't know if he's injured at the moment because I don't even think he was on the bench yesterday. Was he on the bench yesterday? I'm not sure, but I think that he. I remember him from being in the championship and playing against Newcastle. He was he was yeah, a fantastic guy coming was. off that right wing with his left foot. I mean, last season, even in the Premier League, he was he was a he was yeah, a great he had a good player season. for them. He had yeah. a good season. 
But, I mean, Brighton couldn't do anything, but it was even worse for Watford, who registered no shots on target for that whole game. And you've got to think against a team like Brighton, a team like Watford should at least be pulling out some shots. Watford just... As, what do we label them as? Shit. I mean, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what, inconsistently, consistently inconsistent? Exactly. That's what they are. So they, <laughs> they, they beat teams that they shouldn't do, and then... <laughs> doing this they're just bastards mm. and I've seen Delefeo a few times recently and thought again he's another player he looks a bit like a fair weather player to me maybe during the winter he's just not really that in for it <laughs> he's, but, a, he's a typical Arsenal player yeah he's, he's the, you know, typical <laughs> Spanish player who comes over you know probably you know would be good for Arsenal but you know I've seen him his, his last few performances I've just thought he's just looked way off it really and not getting the service of Dini. he's more of a form player than a class player when he's in form he's great but he's not consistent enough mm. to, to, to make any kind of difference Difference. Um, again, obviously we they ended up nil nil. wasn't a terrible result for either of them, to be honest. Uh, especially with the way that they go in, neither of them are in any trouble. Final game of the weekend is West Ham Liverpool, but that hasn't been played yet. We're doing this on the Sunday. Keeping with the striker thing, West Ham are most likely going to lose because like three quarters, seventy five, eighty percent of their strikers are, are injured. The only one who they've got now is Carroll and. And also because it's Liverpool. Also because it's Liverpool. He's hoping to a draw. So obviously now we're into February. So it's time to look back at January and see who the manager of the month and the player of the month was. First off, manager of the month. I don't think anybody's going to disagree. OGS, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Anybody, any flack for that? Nope, because, well, played for 1-3, drawn 1. Like you can't, no one else touches that. And obviously the turnaround in, as Joe said earlier on, the turnaround he's had not just in the actual performance, their gameplay, but the whole demeanour of the whole club, the way they, the whole feeling of it, he's changed everything. So cool. Yeah, just for that, it's down to OGS. Mr. Filter, same? Yeah, OGS, no, no doubt. Jay the Chameleon. Benitez no it's got to be Solskjaer it really has he's, he's worked wonders okay so now we're moving on to the player anybody want to venture their choice forward first well given OGS has got the manager of the month he must have been doing something good with one of the players and I'll say Rashford bringing Rashford back into the fold as a striker he's getting goals I'm not sure if he's been getting assists but he's been getting the goals and for a young player in that position he seems like he's coming... I mean, a lot of people doubted him as a striker. You know that because we're in the Monday Night chat. Yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. do say that, but he's coming he's come and he's put him in. So yeah, Rashford. Yeah, as, yeah, as much as I hate <laughs> Man United, uh, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say it has to be one of two, either Rashford or Pogba. I think both have, have had really good months. I think uh, Pogba's assists and goals, there's an argument for Pogba Ooh, there. Um, and also, I'm, I'm, you know, I think in, in, in almost every game, Pogba has been played in some capacity, whereas I think... Uh, Rashford was was Rashford left out the other day for Lukaku possibly. Yeah, he got played on the wing when Lukaku he got played, played on the wing. The FA Cup got dropped. Yeah, Mr. MK. I'm actually gonna change the whole dynamics of what you guys are saying, and I'm gonna actually go for Heaton. Yeah, because of the fact that no. Burnley was struggling with Joe Hart, the Heaton comes in and 
they're winning games, even though they might be against lesser teams, but they're winning games. And he just has a com- he has a presence and he's a, a command. And they're keeping clean sheets and they're not losing games now. So for me, like, yeah, I think like with, with Rashford, you get the ball to him, like in a, he's in a team like United, he will have the chances. They will be uh-huh, put through, uh-huh, so you have uh-huh. the opportunity to score. Heaton is in a team that doesn't really have that, and so yeah. Um, sorry, time. sorry, you're saying he will have the chance to score. If you're in a team like Burnley, you'll have the chances to save goals because there will be bare shots coming at you. So <laughs> you're saying that Rashford will get the chances. Heaton will get the chances, bro, as well. But okay, no, it's a it's a yeah, genuine but, choice. No, it's but a the thing choice. is, if Hart was in goal, he wouldn't save it. But Heaton does save yeah, it. Yeah, so. but he's okay, getting that, the chances to save it. Like what you're saying, you got is all I'm saying is you as a goalkeeper shouldn't concede in that sense. If you get a clean sheet, well done. But they conceded to well, they they won, but Huddersfield scored against them. That's not Heaton that gave them those two goals. That's one. The next game was. Um, Fulham, they conceded. That was at home, they won. They still conceded one, and the two goals wasn't down to him either. So, he's done well. Well done for a few saves here and there, but that's not the reason why they hey, did I say he and I met Rashford. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to the Fantasy League. Uh, remember, if you want to join, the code is 686-834-151-968. Um, obviously, the game week isn't over. There's two more games to go. What? But how are we looking at the minute? <laughs> this One guy forget. No, two, there's two man. more games. Everton, In Man the City. Game week. Oh. If you're not gonna say stuff, sharp. <laughs> <laughs> technically part of the next game week. Though. No, it's not. Not according to when is it? FPL. Wednesday, 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 and it's part of this game. And it's week part of this game week, bro. Top for this week is the Gunners Delight. Rao, who is currently on 84 points. That triple captain, boy. Triple captain on Aguero, and obviously still two games to go. And he has Richarlison, Sigurdsson, Sane, De Bruyne, and Aguero still to pull some points in. Wow. Bringing up the rear this week. That's my dubious honour. Marfchester United only on 36 <laughs> points. Mr. Host. Mr. Host that I am. Yeah, proud moment, yeah. Well, I still got Alisson, Robertson and Salah to play tomorrow. See what happens. And then I still got Aguero, Sane to play in the second game week. So we'll see what happens. You had... Wait, so who's your captain? Sane. Uh, Sane. <laughs> so more or less, most of your points come from Aguero. What did he get? 14 points. Aguero uh, got... Where are we? 17... Did he get 70 Just, points? He got over half his points. 14, I think. Failure of a week, wasn't it? The week's not over yet. I said, it? just a couple of weeks ago, you were like, I'm climbing up. I am climbing up. You're sinking well, faster than the Titanic. <laughs> anyway. You done? That's it, right? <laughs> He's sulking, isn't it? <laughs> you don't want it to end. No, no, hold on, 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 just fantasy. He's born this fantasy mind. <laughs> it's not ready player one, you know. Phil. <laughs> you see that? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a decent film. Marv, are you going to lock us off or not? All right, that's all for this week. 
Join us next week for another game week. We'll see what happens. See if Liverpool can beat West Ham, extend their lead again, or if it will be down to two points. I've been Flows. MK. BNF. Jojo. I like Jojo. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks. Thank you very Thank you much. Thank you for having me. Cheers, guys. We'll see you again soon. Peace. Peace. Peace.